Amen. I've got to say, young man, that you read Scripture so beautifully and wonderfully, doesn't he? Yes, he does. Amen. Amen. So thank you. Thank you. Every time you share, I am uh, blessed by your reading of God's Word, for sure. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, it is with justice that you reign. It is with mercy and with compassion. And today... Of all days, we feel the excitement of your Spirit doing a new work within us. And so we ask this morning, Lord, that your Word would accomplish its work, that it would not return to you void or empty of the purposes that you intend for it in all of our lives, specifically individually, to get done and accomplish uh, for us that our lives in return, Lord, might be a witness to you as those crowds turned out in the hundreds, if not thousands, the throngs to be your witnesses to proclaim, Hosanna, Hosanna, the Son of David, Hosanna in the highest. Amen. I have found through my 41 years of following Jesus, that he is a demanding soul. He is a demanding rabbi, teacher, and he's also a demanding friend, for certainly he has been more than that to me. A friend, yes, for 40 years since I gave my heart and life to him. He's been there for me through all the ups and downs, through the thick and the thin of my life, all of the many highs and lows, and I'm no different than anybody else. We all experience the vicissitudes of life that can buffet and pummel us and cause us to find that place deep down where we pray, this is the moment that I need a friend. Today that friend comes riding into our lives and into our hearts. He has picked me up when I have fallen and called me by his grace given unto me by His grace that He wishes to lavishly pour out upon you. He gives us that grace to keep on following Him. As we are following Him into Jerusalem today, He gives us that grace to keep on following no matter what. That said, He has been a friend who has always told me the truth, telling me at times things that I didn't necessarily want to hear about myself. And good friends, right, they do that for us. They tell us the truth sometimes, even when it's not things that we necessarily want to hear. And I suppose in this respect, he's, he's always been the best kind of friend, one who is honest with you and 
who calls you out on your excuses. Now, I've got some. And I don't think that I'm alone in that. I think we've all got some excuses that the Lord in His deep, abiding, loving friendship with us calls us out upon. But this friend of mine, this Jesus, despite His many demands, has always been the joy of my life. And honestly, He has showered me with more kindness and more blessings. I was just reflecting upon that as I was driving to church this morning. It was still dark out. And I was reflecting upon the many blessings that God has given to me. My wife, my daughter, my faith, and this church family. And I know that He is the source of those blessings because He is all-loving, compassionate, kind, understanding, and generous, even... If I don't deserve Him to be, He is all of those things to me. And so the Holy Spirit works in a contrary way to who I am in my life. When I have fallen, He picks me up. When I wish to curse, He blesses me. When I, when I feel lost, He finds me. When I'm unloved, He loves me and holds me. Now, over the last several weeks... We've spoken much together about sin. That's been the nature of uh, the, the sermon series of uh, unrepentant uh, rebellion that we've shared in. Uh, we've spoken much about sin and our uh, rebellious nature towards God. And the prophet Isaiah in chapter 53 says, All of us like sheep have gone astray. Yes, each of us has turned to his own way, but he... The Lamb of God has not wandered far from the hand of God. I know that perhaps I have presented a gospel that is not in step with the values of this world. And if you get to know me, you know that I'm always going to do this. I will always add an element of challenge, perhaps discomfort, from this place, this sacred place, that many beloved and holy and sacred pastors have occupied in the history of Shandon Congregational Church in many years that have gone before. So prayerfully, I'm following in that great tradition. Yes, indeed, sharing a gospel that at times makes us a little bit uneasy. Sharing a gospel that holds up the light of Christ to this world. That's my gift. So perhaps both pastor, yes, because I love you. And also, as one dear pastor friend said to me on many occasions, are you an evangelist? Yes, perhaps, in part, evangelist. And my call is to both present the gospel while allowing its power to critique this warped world because the nature of my call is to boldly share with you that the answers are not out there. The answers are in here. We find the answer here in relationship with Christ Jesus. And then we take that answer out there for a world that is desperately longing and looking to find 
that deep abiding friend with whom I shared with you. Now we all, without exception, self-included, we've got this rebel's heart, you know, it's a little uh, wrestling match that goes on inside of us. Each of us has a stony hard and unaffected heart, perhaps, uh, as Archbishop uh, Rowan Williams, um, who's a former Archbishop of Canterbury, uh, once said of the church, and I, 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 love, I love this quotation, he says, we are each of us in danger of becoming deeply and dangerously bored. You know that when you have reached that place of deep, dangerous boredom, that you've lost the passion. Today, Jesus' entry into Jerusalem is about reigniting that passion of faith and followership in each of us. Each of us, at times who can be stubborn, each of us, little mini pharaohs resisting God at every turn. But as the thief hanging on the cross next to Jesus taught us last Sunday, the chasm, remember Dives and Lazarus, the chasm that cannot be bridged at all, it has been by the outstretched arms of Jesus. I know that this insistence upon Jesus as being the one and only hope for the world is what gets me into trouble all the time with people. That insistence upon it gets me in trouble in the church, gets me in trouble outside of the church. Insisting upon, and I'm good with that. I'm good with that. For if there is salvation in any other person of faith, I am not too proud, believe me, it's not beyond me to say that I have got it wrong. And I will admit that. Or for the better part of over 25 years that I have occupied pulpits, I'm not too proud to say that I have misled others and I have completely given them and you the wrong information. But in over 25 years of ministry, so I'm not just picking on you, yeah? I'm still waiting. Because no one has ever crossed my threshold to say, no, Pastor Daniel, there is another Savior. And you've been misinformed. Here is another system of salvation that is equal to, if not superior to, the shed blood of Jesus upon the cross. And I've stepped across this threshold today to tell you about that. No one ever in all the churches that I have pastored has ever said that to me or proved it to me. So actually that kind of makes me happy, you know? As Martin Luther, the great Protestant reformer, once said, paraphrasing St. Paul's words in Romans chapter 3, let God be true and every man a liar. Yeah. Or better, as John said in his epistle, who is the liar, he asks, he questions. It is whoever denies that Jesus is the Christ. 
Today, when we wave our palm branches and we sing our hosannas, we are proclaiming that the Son of David is the Messiah, is the Christ. Lest the whole thing be a charade. Or perhaps better yet, John says in the next chapter of his epistle, and we have seen and we have testified that the Father has sent his Son Hear these words. To be the Savior of the world. His Son, to be the Savior of the world. To know that we have found the truth, not a truth, my friends, you know, one amongst many, pick and choose, consumeristic kind of faith. The one and only Savior of the world. Well, that makes us happy. Oh, yeah. That makes us joyful on the inside. Why happy? Because we realize that we are the lost sheep that has been retrieved by his strong arms. I once was lost. I wandered so far. I was in such black darkness. There was no hope for me. Until the shepherd of my soul went after me. And he grabbed me by the scruff of my neck just about before I was ready to fall over the edge of that cliff, that abyss that was about to claim my life. He pulled me back. Hallelujah. I'm nothing special. I'm as ordinary and as plain as you or your friends or your family. We are the lost coin that has, by the diligence of God, been found. And I love that parable. It pictures God as a woman sweeping her house and sweeping and sweeping and sweeping and sweeping and then she finds that lost coin. We are the lost son that has even when we write ourselves off as the lost son did. I am a no good for nothing. We've all felt that way, writing ourselves off. We're like that lost son that we have been found. And what does that parable say? It says that even as that lost son made that decision to go back home to his father, with great tenderness and mercy and compassion, the parable says that that lost son's father saw him from a distance. God sees us all from a distance, and he's waiting with those open arms. Come on home. I've been longing for this moment to welcome and embrace you, my lost son. Now the family is back together again. It is the realization that we have found the treasure hidden in the field or that we have bought the pearl of great price. And the man who bought the field, you know what? After he bought that field, he gave up buying every other field because he found the treasure that was in the field. Or the man that bought the pearl of great price, after that he got out of the jewelry business because he found the one pearl that was beyond price. You see, there comes a time where you can once and for all finally say the search is over. 
I have found my friend. I have found the lover of my soul. I have found it. It, not it, but who we have found. Jesus, just as the thief upon the cross did. If there is anyone that we should have given up hope upon, it would have been that thief upon the cross, that scum, that lowlife, that defrauder. But there was one who reached out, grabbed him by the scruff of the neck too, and brought him back. And Jesus said, Today you will be with me in paradise. And when he is found, The search, you see, my friends, the search has got to come to an end. No more looking. No more striving, wondering, well, what if, what if, what if, what if? And trust me, the world outside of this sanctuary, this holy place, is very good at baiting us with the what if you only had, or what if you only knew, or what if you could only accomplish, or don't you know? Lay it down. You found, that's why we're out in the streets today, waving our palm branches, throwing our blankets and coats down before him, because that crowd, they knew, they said, this, he is the one we have finally found the one who will deliver Israel. No, not just Israel, but all nations of the world. A sense of peace and joy and jubilation. And that's what's happening here on Palm Sunday. It is the joy that comes when in your heart you know that that search is finally over. Why are weddings so joyful? Why are they happy occasions? Why do you celebrate at a wedding? Well, it's not only because you're getting rid of your son or your daughter. Yeah, I mean, yeah, uh uh-huh. But that couple, they are celebrating because the search for their loved one is finally over. Hallelujah. I've found the guy for me. I've found the gal for me. Hallelujah. That search is over. And that the one that your heart has longed for has been found. Now, if any of the guys are like me, you've had to work pretty hard, you know, at getting that one in your life, the one that you love in your life. Yes? But you search and you look And when you find the one that you love, your heart is at peace. And the same is also true of our love for Jesus and his love for us. And so go to him. Go to him. He's waiting and he's ready to accept your praise. Listen to the text from the Gospel of John and what the Pharisees said. They shrugged their shoulders, you know. They threw up the sponge and they they said, the whole world has gone out after this man. If the whole world has gone out after him, what is stopping you and I? So we go to him. Will you praise him? Are you ready to join the crowds? Are you ready to shout out loudly as he passes by these crowds? They recognize he's the one. You know? 
He touched me. Oh, he touched me. Yes, that's what we sing within the life of the church because he's touched us. He's found us and we have found him. He's the eternal go-to guy, so go to him. It's like Peter once said in John's Gospel, chapter 6, towards the end of that chapter, Peter says these words to Jesus, Lord, to whom would we go? We can't go to anyone else, Jesus, for you have the words of everlasting and eternal life. Who else has that? That's what Peter said. So what could possibly be holding us back? Stop searching. Stop looking. And start celebrating. Amen.